this on? Oh, there we go. Hi, I'm Nicole Blake, and today I'm going to be reading um, two different passages. First, we'll begin with Judges 6, 16 through 24. So if you want to open your Bibles and follow along, or I think, yep, it's on the screen. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands at Orpha and belongs to the Abyssalites. Now turn to John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Thank you, Nicole. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that we can um, come together, worship you, give you praise for who you are. Father, open your word and allow you to instruct our hearts. Uh, Father, just the, the truth of your word is so profound, so encouraging, and so uplifting. God, we just uh, praise you today. Uh, guide us in this journey. Uh, we pray that you would be exalted that uh, our lives would be encouraged and transformed for your glory, honor, and praise. To that end, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the passage today, uh, one of the things that uh, we're going to see that Gideon did was he had great fear. And I want to think back just a little bit for you and myself as well uh, about times in your life where you experienced great fear. For me, uh, we, this was when mountain bikes became popular. We decided we would take our girls to the mountains, and we rode from Frisco to Copper Mountain, which is a pretty good ride. Uh, it's kind of, for a wimp like me, it wore me out. And, man, I was just about done when we got to Copper Mountain. But the r- ride back is fabulous because you can almost coast about 30 miles an hour and beautiful views. And so it was, it was fun until... 
uh, my youngest daughter on her bike going too fast uh, in front of me. I couldn't see her, hit a rock, and pitched herself over the handlebars. When I caught up with her, she's laying at the side of the road, not unconscious, but crying and in great pain. And, and I just barely stopped to look at her and got on my bike and, and headed into Frisco to try to get some medical help. And it's a wonder I didn't kill myself because I rode so fast. Got there, got the paramedics there, got her to the ER. She left the ER a couple hours later with a cast on an arm and a cast on a leg. But I, I can still remember the fear of seeing her laying there on the ground, uh, just kind of, I mean, in serious need. I, I don't know about you. Maybe you've had a similar situation like that with a child, maybe worse. It, it can be... Uh, incredibly alarming. Maybe it's been something else in your life. Maybe it's been a financial disaster. It didn't happen instantly. It's been building and growing, and, and you're f- fearful of, of what lies ahead. Or maybe it's uh, something that, that's a, a bit different than that, something more like a, uh, a, an, a, an accident. Maybe you've been someplace, and you know an accident's going to happen. It's coming at you, and you can't get away from it. You just, you, you just have to absorb it, but the fear of awaiting that. You know, the financial disaster thing can bring concerns about making rent, buying food, all those kinds of things can create great fear in our lives. And today we come to a a situation where Israel was literally devastated because of their idolatry. They, uh, God had brought judgment on them. Uh, The Midianites were coming against them and and literally uh, uh, they they would wait till harvest time and then they would come in and they would devastate the crops and and the animals of Israel and left them literally destitute. It's even likened in the scripture to uh, a plague of locusts who've come and literally devoured everything. That's how bad it was. So so that's a little bit of the background. I want to move a few verses uh, before what uh, was read to us this morning in Judges because I think there's some great lessons there. Every Every time I preach, it's a, it's a little bit like roasting a marshmallow. You ever done that? The hotter the marshmallow gets, the what? The bigger it gets. So the longer I think about a message, the bigger it gets. So I'm up here trying to get through three hours worth of message in 30 minutes. So anyway, if you preach some, you would understand that. Uh, but anyway, so I have these little extra notes in my Bible, so uh, bear with me. This is from verse 12 of chapter 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that, you, that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of Midian. And the Lord, tur- the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. So, so not I, <clears throat> from the hand of Midian, do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and I will, um, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Well, what I want us to see here, and this is this is why I love the Bible so much, is that it's so truthful with us, not only about God but about ourselves. And and in this text, and in in uh, the angel of the Lord's interaction with Gideon and his response 
to uh, the angel of the Lord, we see six things that are so common, six things that are so common in our lives when we try to walk through this life and, and this journey of faith. And the first one is, is uh, you know, what Gideon's fear was is that God wasn't with him. That's the first question he raised. Uh, are you with us, God? If you're with us, you know, and uh, we do that from time to time. The second thing was simply, uh, you know, uh, God, why is this happening? You know, when bad things happen, we ask that question, God, why me? God, I'm such a cool person. I, I'm so in tune with you. Why could you ever let anything bad happen to me? So we tend to think that way. Uh, the third thing in, in this passage is, is uh, where did all the blessings go, God? You're a God who pours out his blessings on us. Where, where are they, God? I can't see them right now. We're destitute. We're starving. And, and, and then the fourth thing is, is uh, it, from the text is, is uh, God, have, have you forsaken us? You know, that, it's kind of a progression in thought. You're not with us. Uh, Lord, uh, why is all this happening? Uh, God, where's the blessings? And now, God... Have you forsaken us? I don't know about you, but these are all true of me. As I face difficulty and challenges in life, I struggle with these kinds of questions. Gideon goes on and, and, and you know, the, the Lord is commanding him to do some things that, that are just off the chart. And, and he says, well, God, I can't do that. Uh, I'm the least. My tribe's the least of, of Manasseh. And, and I'm the least of my brothers. God, I, I'm this little wimp. How could I ever do what you're asking me to do? And yeah, I don't know about you, but I feel that way all the time, uh, especially when I have to get up here in front of you guys. And then the sixth thing that, that Gideon raises is, uh, Lord, give me a sign. I, I don't want to walk by faith. I want to see you work, and then I will obey you. Uh, you ever been there? God, I'll obey you if I can see what you're doing. And not only once, but Gideon asked for three signs. Uh, the, the, the food, the offering being burnt, and then the fleece twice. And God did an amazing thing. He, he whittled his numbers down to 300 people. Uh, Gideon never picked up a sword, never got into the fight. He, he through the Lord, decimated this massive army. Uh, without Gideon doing anything but break some jars and, and blow a trumpet. That's all he and his 300 men did. Uh, and and it, it just it, it reveals God and man. But, but in this discussion that Gideon had with the Lord, I, I just want to remind you of a few things. Number one, God never, God never through the angel condemned Gideon. He understands our struggles. He, he sees our weakness, and, and he wants to come and encourage us and, and give us hope and give us life in Christ. And, and, and just look at how he responded to Gideon. He says, uh, you're a mighty man of valor. Was Gideon a mighty man? He, he was speaking in him the truth of what God would make him. He says as well of him, uh, go in this might of yours and save Israel. He says to him as well, uh, a little bit later, uh, am I not going with you? I've sent you. I've sent you. I'm with you. And, and later at the very end, I will be with you in this process and, and will strike Midian uh, down. And uh, so what, what we see in the text is our weakness and God's power. God's incredible, awesome, amazing, overwhelming power and provision. And, and, and because of all this, as Gideon was interacting he came to this place where, where he saw, he saw the angel of the Lord and, and he became fearful and thought he would die. And, and so God spoke to him through the angel one last statement. Do not fear. I'm with you. You will not die. 
That's the God we're here to serve and worship and learn from and grow from today. He is the God Gideon came to to name at this place the God of what? Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. And and he wants us to have peace. And and hopefully the text will draw out those truths to you. But before we get there, I want to just spend a, a couple minutes with you on the word peace. The word peace or shalom in the Old Testament is, is, is of huge significance. It is a, an incredibly important theological word because it describes first and foremost our relationship with God in Christ. Through his provision, we come to have peace with God. So uh, that's what it means in part. But to, to be in shalom means that you have contentment and fulfillment. You are, you are at a place that could be no better. It, it's that concept of being so in tune, so close, so near, so in love with God that everything in your world is at peace. It's, it's well. It's good. It's, it's, it's contentment in, on steroids, so to speak. And, and it's that kind of idea behind this concept of peace. And I want us to, to drill down on that a little bit more this morning. One incredible verse I came across in this study is Isaiah thirty two seventeen. It says there, and the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the results of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. It's a parallelism. It says first, the results of righteousness will be peace. And then the results of righteousness again will be uh, quietness and trust forever. Uh, what, what I take this to mean is that the, the closer we grow to understand and know God, the, the greater our understanding of Him uh, comes to fill our hearts and minds with belief, conviction, and living that out in reality day by day in our lives, the greater what? Our righteousness will bring peace, God's peace. And, and fill us with that contentment, that sense of well-being, that, that, that wonder that uh, all is well with God. In the Old Testament as well, this concept of peace was manifested and foreshadows uh, where we'll end up today, and, and that's talking some about Jesus. Remember in Isaiah, we, we learn that Jesus is what? The Prince of Peace. And He brings peace to the world in, in a new and, 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 and clear and powerful way as we will see a, a bit later in the sermon. I, I love what Paul did with this. He, he literally uh, encompassed peace in the person of Christ in Ephesians 2.14. He says there, For He Himself, speaking of Christ, is our peace. The more we have Christ, the more we know Christ, the more our lives are centered on Him and built up in Him and and, and guided and led by Him, the more what we will have, the more peace will be ours. He goes on to say of Christ, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility, uh, which is literally the wall of sin that separates us from God and from each other. This is what Christ came to do in His work to bring peace to the world in that way. Before we get to Jesus, I want to take a a look at a couple kind of uh, uh, blessings that occur in Scripture to kind of give us an overview, a a broad picture of of the peace that God wants us to have. One is from Numbers 6, 22 through 27. And there, uh, God told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons to pray this kind of a blessing over the people. And, And you've heard this before, I know. Uh, It says there, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you 
and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put My name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Why I say this is, is kind of a, a big picture view of the, the peace of God and the blessing of God is just the seven things that it says that God wants for us. This is God's desire for your life, for my life, for the life of every person on this planet who will put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. He wants first to live with us, to be with us. That's why Jesus came, to manifest himself as Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, you know, Revelation talks about the day that God will be with us. We will be with Him. God wants to live with us. It says that uh, He not only will live with us, but He will meet our needs. He will provide for us. He will meet those things that are troubling us, that, that, that we need to live. So He provides the peace, the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the guidance to live this life. He goes on to say uh, that He also alone can bless us. He wants to pour out blessing on our lives. You know, He, he literally wants us to have life abundant, to know the richness and greatness of life as He intended. You know, it, it's like we're, we're born into this world like a little rosebud that hasn't quite grown. And, and over the course of life, God wants our lives to literally blossom with the fruit and power of His goodness, His peace, His love, His, His long-suffering. We call that all the fruit of the Spirit. God wants that to be part of our lives. And this is how He wants to pour out His blessing. To keep them, to, to protect us, to provide safety for us so that we uh, can live in this contentment and, and this, uh, this life of wholeness that He provides for us through shalom. And also His favor and His grace. You know, uh, when I grew up a, you know, as, as a young person, I guess many of you did the same thing. You... you built your whole view of life on how your peers, your friends felt about you, whether they accepted you or not, whether they welcomed you into your group, whether you were the last guy chosen for the sports team or, or the last girl to, to, to be invited by the other clicky cool girls to be part of your group. You know, and that creates a lot of insecurity in us and a lot of self-doubt. And God says, I accept you as you are. That's His grace. His grace says, you don't have to prove yourself. I accept you as you are, even with your sin. I accept you as you are. What I want to do is draw you into my kingdom and bless you. That's the power of, of what God wants for us. And, and all of this is manifest in the peace that will come to us as a result of this. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says this, kind of another blessing. Now may the God of peace who brought Again, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. What Hebrews uh, adds to this picture of God's blessing is, is the fact that it comes completely, totally through the cross and through the shed blood of Jesus. You know, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the gospel as, as Christ was crucified, he, he was buried, and He was raised on the third day. And, and that's behind all of this in Hebrews. Uh, the, the, the crowning glory of the crucifixion 
and the death is the resurrection. It's why we're here. It's why we live differently than the world. It's why we know God's power through Christ has been unleashed in the world. We live in that power day in and day out as the followers and and the children of God to, to give honor and glory to Him. And what I love about this passage is it goes on to say, by the blood of the eternal covenant. This is a covenant without end. This is a peace that will never end. This is a peace. How much peace does God have? How much peace did Jesus bring into our world? I'm here to tell you today without limit. All the peace you will ever need for this life came in Christ. And it will be with you for all of eternity if your life Uh, If you have embraced Him in believing faith, you've trusted Him as your sin bearer, you know He died for your sin, and you trust His provision for you, that peace is now yours. It's an eternal covenant for today, tomorrow, next month, next year, and for all of eternity. Nothing will ever diminish it, ever. And all of that is is to produce within us a change, a transformation. This life of faith should manifest itself in an outward evidence of the, the peace within, the joy within, the fruit of the Spirit within should bring what? to our lives. It, it should bring an outward manifestation. Jesus taught often, if there's no fruit, there's no life. And uh, the reality is this passage says the same thing. Listen to what... Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equipping you with every good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. We see this same concept in Philippians 3.15. He works in us to will and do His good pleasure. The idea is, is as we come to God and as we grasp the character and the enormity of God, as we've seen Him through this series, He's the God who created us. He's the God who is eternal. He's the God who's almighty. He's the God who provides righteousness. He is the God who provides a shepherd to lead us. He's the guide who, the God who provides for our needs. He's the God of peace. As these realities penetrate and grip our lives and build us into men and women of faith. People who trust Him with these truths. And and the longer we walk, the greater these truths ought to take grip in our lives. They they ought to change us in our lives as we grow and know and, and go in Him. It says in the text, equip you with everything good that you may need to do His will. So He works in us to cause us to want that. And then He works in us through these truths, the character of God, the provision of Christ to be His people and to bring honor and glory to Him. That's His plan. All of this is manifest in the work that Jesus came to bring into the world. The God of peace sent the Prince of Peace to bring peace to you and I that we might manifest His peace to this world. And we're not talking about necessarily a peace that is uh, free of conflict out in the world. Listen to John, and these are Jesus' words, 1427. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give it to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, Jesus spoke, the, you know when Jesus spoke those words? 14th chapter of John. What followed that? 
He was arrested, he was tried, he was convicted, and he was beaten, and then he was crucified. And all through that, what do we see in Jesus' life? Peace. Because he knew he was in the midst, the center of God's will. So this peace we're talking about here in this life isn't isn't a peace that frees us from trouble, hardship, uh, oppression, uh, devastation, whatever. It doesn't free us from those things. It is a peace that will sustain us and empower us through that time. And he gives it to us. Notice he says, the peace that sustained him through the trials and and the beatings and the crucifixion and, and, and enabled him to hang on that cross by nails in his hands and feet and say to the guards, Father, I I forgive them. How could, how could that happen apart from God's peace? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This peace, he said, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Jesus brought peace into the world in, in a dynamic, overwhelming way that, that has transformed our world and is intent and here to transform our lives that we might know him and celebrate him and bring glory and honor to him. It's not like the world gives. I mean, there's ways you can get peace from the world. You, you can do things like distract yourself. You can uh, do things like escape with drugs, alcohol, whatever. You can do things like make all the money you can and create some kind of false security. None of them will give you the peace we're talking about today. That's external. It's of this world. His peace is internal of God and will sustain us. Right after the crucifixion, he appeared to them in the upper room and he said something else to them. He said this, verse 19 of 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Fears everywhere. They feared the Jews having walked with Jesus and seen the peace so much like me. I can fear anything in life. I, I, I may be, yeah, I don't know. Ask my wife. Uh, I, can fear, I can be afraid driving to the store. Uh, it's, just, it's just the way I am. But, but he said to these fearful Jews in the room, or his fearful followers, he came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. In the midst of your, of, of your uh, fear, I am with you and I bring you my peace. Peace that will sustain you, will strengthen you. I I, I love the account of Jesus in the boat. You remember where they're floating across the Lake of Galilee and and, uh, he falls asleep and the disciples are awake and the the storm stirs up and and the the boat's about to be uh, uh, overthrown or sunk uh, because of the terrible storm. And they wake him up. And immediately he calms the storm. And it's, it's so picturesque of our life. We, we live life without our eyes, thoughts on Jesus. They're on our circumstances, our troubles, our fearful things. And uh, uh, the moment their eyes came back to Jesus, peace overwhelmed them. What a picture of, of where we need to live and how we need to go about this life. John 16.33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I want to share with you just a little bit of the journey I've been on on this subject. And 
You know, you, you open the Word, you start to ponder it, meditate on it, allow the Word of God to speak to you. It, it just raised some questions and, and some thoughts in my own mind about this journey that we're on. And, you know, you look back at the Old Testament, you see people like Gideon who are just like me, who, who want to see God act before I obey. I want to see the sign and then I will obey. And uh, you look in the New Testament and you see a little bit of different message from Jesus. You know, in the upper room when Thomas came, uh, who had not believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, and he touched Jesus' hands and sighed, uh, what did Jesus say to him? Do you recall? Jesus said these words, You have seen and believed. Now hear this well. Blessed is the one who has not seen and believed. The one who has not seen and believed. I think in this journey of faith as we grow, and this is, these are my own musings, this is my own thought in my journey, that, that where I grow to in my spiritual life is so much belief and conviction and dependence on the character of God that I don't have to see in order to obey. I obey because I know God, and I know that's God's will for me. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but God's stirring that in my mind and my heart. Do I obey God because I see Him work? Or do I, obey, do, I, do I obey God because I know He's a God worth trusting? I can trust Him for everything and forever. And I, I just want us to leave maybe with that thought, thinking through that a bit. You know, the reality is we, we have peace here now in Christ. He's brought peace he is peace. And the more we see Him, the more we know Him, the more we are rooted and grounded in the character of God, the more we will find the righteousness that is peace. The, the life that will find itself contentment and fulfillment and completeness in Him. That's peace. That's the life I believe He wants for us here and now. The world may still be difficult. We may still have challenges. We may still face hardships, but his peace is constant in us because his peace is rooted and grounded in his person, his character, and in the complete finished eternal work of Christ. So we can have peace today, no matter what. A second thing about this message is that we need to understand too that God wants us to have that peace, but that peace is only available through a right relationship with him. You know, uh, there will be a day we will all stand like Gideon did, sort of. He was frightened because he realized this was an angel of the Lord is probably what we call a theophany. It was an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. And, and he was undone. He thought he would die because he had seen God. And there is a day all of us will stand before God. We will. Those who believe in Christ, who trusted his provision, his work on the cross, his death, and, and believe and hope in His resurrection, we will stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ and we will give a testimony for the works of our lives. What kind of stewards have we been of our time, our talent, our treasure, our giftedness? And then there will be another judgment for those who do not know Christ. I don't know where you're all at here today. It's called the great white throne judgment. There's not much said there. What is said, though, is bone chilling. Jesus said to those gathered there after they'd been resurrected from all the corners of the earth, depart from me, 
you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Uh, I want to encourage you today. There is a peace available today, a relational peace with Jesus Christ through his shed blood, proven by his resurrection. And if you want to talk with me about it or or grab somebody here, uh, please do. If you don't have that kind of peace, I know. I know when I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. That was settled 40 years ago in my life. I know I will be with him. How well I've used the stuff he's given me, I don't know about that. That's another deal. But, but uh, in any way, that is the peace. But also th- this peace is based on the eternal covenant. It will never change. It's with us forever. Nothing will diminish it. Nothing will tarnish it. Nothing will change it. It is a peace that will be with us. Can, can you imagine peace forever? That's what lies ahead. A wise man said this about believers. He said, Christians do not need pleasures, affluence, influence, gratification of desires. Instead, they obtain peace through the joy of fellowship with God. Their peace is within, and the world cannot understand it, nor can it take it away. That's the peace we have. It's powerful. It can sustain us in the most difficult of times. When the world's crumbling around us, we can know we have His peace. I also want to encourage you just thinking back, and Mitch, I appreciated your comments on the, on the series of names above all names. And I just want us to go back and, and review the names of, uh, um, if you could put the names of, uh, that we've covered in this. I just want to rehearse these for you and draw your attention back to them. Uh, we studied first Elohim, the creator God. He's the one who gives us life and breath, brought everything into existence that we can know. Elohim Olam is, is, the guy who, uh, is the God who's established this eternal covenant. So we know he's got eternity covered. There's no worry about that. El Shaddai, Almighty God, he is limitless in his power. He is Yahweh, or I am. He is the God who's present with us. He is Yahweh Sidkenu, our righteousness. He is Yahweh Rohi, our shepherd, he is Yahweh Yireh, our provider, and now Yahweh Shalom, our peace. I want to encourage you with some words that uh, Spurgeon left us, and and I think they're powerful. Uh, They relate to these names and other of the characteristics and attributes of God. He, He writes this. He writes to encourage us to meditate on the Lord's holy name, names that we may trust him the better and rejoice more readily. Trust Him the better. The, the deeper we draw down into believing these characteristics and truths of God, the stronger our walk and faith and the, the greater the peace will be in our lives. He goes on to say, He is in character holy, just, true, gracious, faithful, and unchangeable. Is not such a God to be trusted? He is all-wise, almighty, and everywhere present. Can we not cheerfully rely upon Him? My, my prayer, my hope for this body of believers is that more and more the truths of the character of God would grip us and we would grip them. And that peace and power to represent Him well, bring honor and glory to Him through our outreach and our work, 
of the gospel in this world would go forth. Let me pray. God, we thank you. Father, that you're the, the God of peace, Yahweh Shalom. We, we exalt your name, God, that you brought peace into our world through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is peace. And he has proclaimed by truth that he pours out his peace. He gives that freely to us. We don't have to beg for it. We don't have to long for it. We don't have to fight each other for it. He pours it out. He has left that with us. God, I pray that we would appreciate it and live in it and grip it day by day for your glory, honor, and praise. We ask all this in his glorious name. Amen.